This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 44. Exercise in relationship to physical therapy, it really helped me. It really put, it really put me on the map in regards to um, publications or lecturing because I think we were doing things a lot of people weren't doing back at that time. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield, here with Rob Panarello today, CEO of the Professional Physical Therapy and Professional Athletic Performance Center, 152 locations in five states. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And we are here at the 41st annual NSCA National Conference. If you hear any noise in the background, it's because we are right in the middle of the membership area. There are things going on all around us. How's the conference been for you so far? It's been great. It's great, as usual. Awesome. Great to catch up with relationships, great information, you know, the usual. How long have you been coming to these things? For a long time. I've been a a member (laughs) over 25 years, so don't make everyone, but a lot of them. That's fantastic. Most of them. Uh, What was, can you remember where the first uh, conference that you ever attended was? I think it was in Pittsburgh in 84. Okay, awesome. And uh, been coming ever since. That's fantastic. We may have to ask you some NSCA history questions at some (laughs) point here. Uh, couple other fun icebreakers let's just kind of get get people to know you a little bit more about you um what what uh what was the first car that you ever had pontiac firebird 1970 nice what it used nice that's awesome (laughs) showing my age now yeah 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 that's super cool what about you wish you kept it oh i do wish i kept it yep How about, uh, I ask this to people because I just like to see, not for any other reason, but if you yourself could only do one exercise for the rest of your life, so not your athletes, you personally, what would it be? You're only limited to one. Um, probably on a single exercise, or could I, I'd probably like to do probably like a Javoric complex because okay. you cover a lot. Sure, cool. Um, Pretty good conditioning. Nice. Yeah. So probably something like a Javora complex. I like it. I like it. And and I know what you're talking about. And hopefully some of the some of the listeners might have to Google uh, Istvan Javoric to look that one up. But uh, super cool stuff. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, how about what what kind of music you're listening to these days? What's on the, I've what's always on the radio? Listened to rock and roll. Nice. Yeah. I nice. like ro- I like variations of other things, but mainly rock and roll. Yep. So I'm guessing you've seen some cool concerts in yep. your day. Best concert you've ever seen in person? Uh, the Who nice. at Madison Square Garden. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Super cool and cool. And I'm excited again to have you on the show because. Um, like a lot of our coaches and a lot of our members, you have some incredible diversity uh, in your experience. And I mean, we'll get to, I think, eventually kind of what you're doing now, but you're also a licensed physical therapist, a certified athletic trainer, CSES. You've worn hats in a number of strength and conditioning coaching roles. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about... Uh, first education and kind of where you first kind of broke the bread into the industry um i have a i have two bs's one's in physical therapy and, and one's in phys ed and athletic training and then my master's in exercise physiology and uh essentially how i broke into the profession um officially quote unquote is at the pittsburgh nsca conference in 84 heard don chu speak i went up to him said you know i kind of like to do what you do you're a strength coach and a physical therapist and athletic trainer and he offered me a job 
And I said, I just started at the hospital for special surgery in New York City. And I said, let me think about it because I'm really happy where I am now. And uh, I called him a week later to turn him down, but I said, I want to stay in touch with him. And that fall, he was uh, hired as a consultant at St. John's University to work with their basketball team. And he said, spend the week with me. And I did. And I left my card with Coach Conaseca. And that year, they were uh, they had a pretty good season, but they didn't go all the way. And he just felt that they were weak. They needed a strength coach. He pulled my, car out, my card out and offered me the job. And that's how I became the strength coach at St. John's, their first strength coach. And I stayed for 10 years. Wow, that's super cool. How, how much did that uh, you know, physical therapy background help you as a strength coach? I, I think they both help each other tremendously because once someone's done with physical therapy, especially if they're post-operative, you kind of know the things to avoid so you don't exacerbate their condition. But a lot of physical therapy is exercise, yeah. right? So if there are certain principles and exercises that create strongest, fastest, most powerful people in the world, even if we have to modify them, why can't we bring that into the clinic, yeah. right? And yeah. so they help each other hand in hand. It's not that one's more important than the other. They really both provide a, a nice congruity to each other that's cool now that's such a key key thing to keep in mind too it's you know it's a synergistic mm-hmm. uh, effect how about um i mean there wasn't really you know there was no internet back then you know yeah. i mean you guys went to a conference you know once a year what was like you know getting information where, where were you uh sharing getting information back then in those days from my mentors are um, johnny parker al miller al vermeil and don chu um and it really as you know as you go on it becomes a small and small circle so, so don introduced me to al vermeil who introduced me to al miller um johnny parker was the team physician for the new york giants our hospital took care of the new york giants um, we started squatting our ACLs in 85, 86 as part of the rehab. So I went to see Johnny because he was a big squat advocate. And we hit it off. And then, um, you know, they, I just made phone calls or visited people. And uh, through Al Vermeil, I met Charlie Francis and spent a lot of years with Charlie. And then from Charlie, I met Derek Hansen. And, yeah. you know, the snowball's going right, downhill. Right. So that's how we did it. You yeah. know, phone calls yeah. and physically traveling to visit people. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's still a lot of, a lot of people are still really advocating for that. And I mean, granted, social media and email and stuff has been a great way to connect with people but that those in-person visits and stuff like that have been tremendously beneficial yeah Yeah. i mean i'll tell you a great story um johnny parker and al miller were both uh, high school strength coaches and johnny went to visit al slept two nights in his volkswagen beetle and when and they left they shook hands and became good friends and 10 years later they shook hands on the 50 yard line at the rose bowl and they played each other in the super bowl so you just you know you just never know that's super cool um, and you, you were so ten years uh, at St. John's strength mm-hmm. coach, Division One. Uh, just working in men's basketball, or was there other Main, teams? Mainly, um, we had Division. It was a Division One school, okay. but we had one AAA football, which was really non scholarship oh, wow. Division Three. Yeah. So mainly football, basketball, and baseball. Okay. I would uh, work with some other teams, but those were mainly my three teams. And then I had an assistant coach. After my second year, we hired an assistant, and uh, they worked with some other teams. And so we just tried to do it the best we could, you know, the two of us. Cool, cool. And what were you guys looking for in assistance at that time? You know, what what did you look for? For some experience. you know, I, I've treated as a physical therapist, I've treated a lot of people in prominent positions, CEOs and coaches, and you ask them their perspective of thing. And one, one guy was a um, 
president of ESPN, and he's, he told me he looks for people who are intelligent because you could always teach and you could always gain experience, but sure. you can't gain right. intelligence. So right. I think you have to have people that can understand concepts and stuff as well. So yeah. that was part of it. Yeah, that's huge. And then you went on from that to, to some professional sports, mm-hmm. too. What did the St. John's gig kind of snowball into or open um, doors to? Well, I stayed at St. John's, and I, I went uh, to the World League of American Football one year, the New York, New Jersey Knights. Uh, I was their strength coach. Um, well, I was at St. John's from 85, 86 to 91 or so. I used to work the off-seasons with the New York Giants with Coach Parker. And then in the early 2000s, um, some some. Uh, physicians I know became the team physicians for a women's professional soccer team who were in desperate need for a strength coach and they asked me if I would do that and I worked with the WSA New York Power which was a great experience you know because it's just uh, specifically working with women and all aspects of of women athletes and um, did that for two years yeah that's the last team I worked with and we were talking about that earlier and it didn't it didn't it wasn't uh you know you weren't going to retire off that salary no (laughs) no but uh probably most enjoyable years of my life really experiences how important is that too you know like doing something that you probably had to make work in Mm -hmm. your own life not for the monetary reward but like you said that rewarding experience and and that experience you just gained working with these females, working with team setting, professional level. It, it was great. Um, you know, especially my years at St. John's, you know, because I did work with some female teams there, but it wasn't exclusive, you know. And um, as what we stated before about the exercise in relationship to physical therapy, it really helped me. It really put, it really put me on the map in regards to um, publications or lecturing because I think we were doing things a lot of people weren't doing back at that time. A lot of, I don't think a lot of physical therapists were also strength coaches. And so, you know, it really helped enhance my career. So um, the the paycheck, so to speak, came later on down the road. But those experiences were valuable to set me up in my career. Yeah. Um, Cool. We'll talk about that, too. You just touched on it, but I didn't read this initially. But, you know, you've had over 60 peer-reviewed journal, you know, scientific journal, strength and conditioning journal, book publications and lectures. Talk a little bit about writing for journals and stuff like that and why it's important for strength and conditioning coaches. Yeah, um, I think it's real important because it forces you to roll up your sleeves and get into areas of, of where you're interested in and to dig deep and and not only to investigate the area, the area you're interested in, but when you do a review of the literature, right. you're going to pick up so yeah. much information that you probably weren't aware of on the topic of your interest that you're writing on. So um, when I worked at Special Surgery, it was a very academic institution. A lot of publications went out and that's where I first got my feet wet doing research with the physicians and then spinning off on my own. And, uh, you know, we did a a landmark, I consider a landmark squat study and and it was published in 94. We looked at the giants and we looked at them, the effect of the squat exercise on knee ligament laxity over a 21 week period of time. And and to my knowledge, that's the longest period of time someone has reviewed that. And we just want to make sure we weren't doing anything you know, detrimental to the knee, and we weren't. And so just reinforced with the tons they were lifting and the high volume they were lifting, it was safe for the knee in regards to a quote-unquote normal knee. And so those types of things I think is very important. Yeah, and how hard was it, you know, was it tough at first to kind of write to that level and obviously you just kind of 
adapted and, and learned more about it. Yeah, it's like it's like just <laughs> like anything else, right? The first yeah. day you're an intern, right? Yeah. And you just learn and ten years later you may be a head strength coach and yeah. it just you know, a daily progression of knowledge, yeah. experience, skill, et cetera. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. No, and that's the same thing I found and I haven't been published nearly that much, but uh, in the small times I have and my mentor Doctor Garrity uh hammered me about it and he said you know you you didn't squat you know 405 the first time you went in the weight room either right That's you right. had to do it over time and build it up and kind of get better at it so I think that was the progression but for me too and I think I'm sure you'll say the same uh then when I got to present on some of these topics that I've written about it was way easier absolutely so the presentations I was giving I was like wow this is actually a better presentation because of that article I wrote about yeah. Yeah, and and when you write an article, um, you know, essentially you're the expert at for that article. Yeah. So when you're presenting, I mean, you know, you're you're in, so you should be very comfortable, and you have a very good knowledge background of that particular subject matter in regards to that article. So yes, it does make you a better presenter. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you you've worn the strength and conditioning hats, and you were also um, 2016 NSCA Sports Medicine Rehab rehab specialist of the year award winner mm -hmm. um so kind of talk about where where you kind of went into i mean i think you'll always consider yourself probably a strength and conditioning coach as yes. well but where that morphed from the uh strength and conditioning position more into kind of some of the rehab stuff well um eventually i went into private practice and so uh, that's that's really where everything morphed in you know because yeah. you had you had to you have to be a differentiator, right? Because right. I believe in competition. I think competition is good. It yeah. keeps people on their toes, right? And uh, uh, the strength and conditioning, as I said before, that's where it really started to evolve once I really got into private practice. Also, my time at special surgery, because the things we wrote and presented on were adapting the strength and conditioning into the rehab. So academically, it really helped me at special surgery. As a business person and a professional, it probably really took off when I went into practice. Okay, yeah. And how did you, you know, decided to start your own business? You probably, you didn't, I didn't read any business background, uh, no MBAs on no, your no MBAs. Uh, bio. No, so like, I'm an how hard is that going from academics and coaching? being a business owner? Well, I, I was always working as a physical therapist in some capacity. And what happened, I worked for a company called uh, Professional Sports Care, okay. who were acquired by HealthSouth. Okay. Yeah. And then there was a point in time where I said, you know, I've worked for businesses. I've worked in a hospital. I even worked in some private practices to uh, supplement my salary part-time. So I was either going to teach yeah. or I was going to go into business. Those yeah. are my last two yeah. opportunities of uncharted territory and so I went to business with two other guys and uh, we each had our strengths and our weaknesses so I think we complemented each other well and it worked out pretty well. Yeah. What are some of the big, uh, I guess, uh, what would be your biggest um, suggestions to someone thinking about venturing into that kind of business world on their own or with a partner or yeah. two? I think, I think, um, I think with any business venture, not just with physical therapy, I mean, I, you, you just can't throw something against the wall. You better have a very definitive plan of, um, you know, structure, location, finances, a cushion of finances, because you're going to struggle for a little while. And then, 
and then go out and then follow that plan. And, and things may get tough for a while. I could tell you, the story we always tell is we put our houses up for collateral. We worked 14 months without a salary. Wow. We were down to our last $500 in yeah. our bank account, our business bank account, our personal accounts, not much more. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all the checks started coming in. And now right. 20 years later, we're 180 facilities in five states and a 20,000 square foot performance center, where when we started this business, there were three of us. We figured each guy would have a facility B3. So yeah. I would not give up yeah. on your dream. If, yeah. if you want to go into private ent- a private practice or a private entity of some sort, don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid, but just be smart. Yeah, yeah. And how are you uh, managing, you know, all these facilities now? Do you kind of, are you in touch with a lot of them on a, on a regular well, basis? You, you kind of have, um, for lack of a better word, you have a hierarchy, right? You have like vice presidents, regional yeah, yeah. vice presidents. You have different departments. You have marketing. We have sports medicine. We have our performance center. We have clinical operations. And so you, you evolve. You don't go from one to a hundred, yeah, right? You go yeah, one yeah. to two to three. And so your experiences and your knowledge evolves just like it does in any other field. Yeah. And yeah. are you looking for something different with the people that you're hiring there? You know, obviously you're probably looking for some specific from educational certification type stuff. Um, we look at, I'm definitely looking at experiences in regards to the need, all right? Just like if uh, you were hiring a basketball strength coach, you probably wouldn't hire someone who's a specialist in cycling, right? right? right. Um, and so uh, definitely experiences, uh, you know, and then uh, culture, yeah. you know, those types of things. I think that's really important. Uh, coach Parcells used to say, uh, take a guy with just a little bit less talent, but, but fits in the locker room, you yeah. know, that has the right culture. I think culture is really important. Yeah, that's huge. What, um, you've been around some of those great coaches too. What, what kind of, uh, things, you know, or traits do you think you've taken really from some of those people and developed, you know, into your own practice coaching practice yeah um probably the three coaches that have been most influential on me who aren't strength coaches were bill parcells dick vermeil and luke conaseca at st john's and uh they all you know we're all really strong family type people in regards to caring about their teams um i think uh they're all very smart all very wise in their own way no disrespect to coach vermeil who i think is just brilliant coach conaseca uh, Coach Parcells is a very smart gentleman, but he's probably one of the wisest, if you know the difference between intelligence, uh, one of the wisest men, if not the wisest man I've ever met. And, and they all give you just a tremendous amount of uh, perspective in situations that, do, that does carry over to business because yeah. you're still working with a team. It's just right. a different type right. of team. Right, right. No, that's huge. I think that's too a lot when people will talk about, like, doing sales or mm-hmm. right or selling and they say wow i don't want to coach i don't want yeah. to sell things but you're selling to the head sport coaches yep. and the administrators and all of those how do you develop those kind of relationships too with with like the as well as the business people but the other sport coaches that you may not have known ahead of time yeah i think i think people are people and you just yeah. treat them well and um i think people uh you want to be upfront with them, you know. I think I think confrontation is good if it's done properly because I think people deserve to know if they need to get better and not be surprised that all of a sudden, why didn't why didn't you tell me this earlier? Um, I think with players, uh, I think I think players look for discipline. I really do. I think yeah, I hear a lot of things about a 
kids don't care nowadays, and I don't think that's true. I really do. I think kids, they they want to be coached. I think they want to have some form of discipline. I'm not saying you got to crack a whip, but I just think it's the general. I don't think much has changed. I'll be honest with you, and and I, and I don't think I'm naive in that. So I take those same things in, in business as well. Just treat people well. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's funny because we all say, you know, oh, kids are so different and this and that. And it's like, well, the kids of today were brought up by us, right? right? These people weren't brought up by yep. some aliens that ran in. Like, so yep. if, if there's something wrong with them, yep. uh, it's a, it's kind of our fault or somebody's fault. So that's always an interesting one. Yeah, I heard an interesting <laughs> line. The kids the kids didn't change, the parents did. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so great. So I think, yeah, I think that's a great point um, about just still having expectations of people and holding them to different standards. I think you also have to hold people accountable, right? Because uh, if if they're going to get away with uh, not doing their job, then why should they do their job, right? right? And so I think accountability, um, a professional accountability, right, is uh, is very important as well. Yeah, that's huge. I think that goes right in along the lines of that. And I was talking about it in a, the interim presentation that we had earlier was just telling people, you know, what their feedback is. Yep. So I think in today's day and age, a lot of times people, for whatever reason, haven't gotten, uh, no one maybe told them that they weren't that great or, or gave them a low evaluation or right. gave them a low score, just always said, good job, you know, this and that, and, and you're great, and this and that. Right. And so then I've had some hard conversations with younger coaches because when I let them know that, it was like, wow, that shattered them almost. And right. they, they didn't, realize because no one never told them that they weren't that right. good at their job before right <laughs> and it's better that they're told then than at the end of the year or yeah. whenever it is you say listen yeah. i have to let you go right and then it's just blindsided in that aspect what do you mean you have to let me go you, you've never told me these yeah. things before absolutely. So, absolutely so at least if you if you tell them you're giving them a chance right yeah, yeah. No, absolutely part of the whole coaching process absolutely um you won the NSCA President's Award in 1998. Talk a little bit about that award. I just, uh, you know, uh, Don Chu is a very good friend. He was the president at the time. I did a lot of work with the Certification Commission, and I guess Don felt due to my work with the Certification Commission, and eventually I chaired it, um, you know, I, I was deserving of the award. So, uh, you know, I was very cool. appreciative of it. It's huge. Yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of people that have won that. That's exciting. Um, yeah, maybe talk a little bit. I mean, we talked a little bit about kind of involvement from attending conference standpoint mm -hmm. but talk about being involved with the NSCA organization as a you know as a volunteer member yep. and you know how you got involved doing that all the different positions you've held you know and why it's been important to your career yeah um I, I you know Don's the one that got me involved in the certification commission because he's the executive chair and this is back in the 90s and um as I said I, I'm I'm very academic person I believe coaching um you know, you need to know the science, but, you know, you have to have a reason why you're doing something. But obviously, it's definitely an art and a wisdom as well, the combination of both. And so with, with my affinity to academics, I wanted to help with this, you know, CSCS exams and, um, you know, reading materials and review stuff. And so it was very enjoy enjoyable for me because I met people like Tom Beckley and um, uh, Garhammer and a bunch yeah. of great people, you know, legends in the field, yeah. develop relationships with them, work with them, and then do that in an academic environment, which I have an affinity towards. And so it was, it was tremendous in regards to, uh, you know, feeling you achieved something for the organization and the relationships and the friendships you developed. 
you know, that snowballs too, right? Because then right, right. someone knows someone else or knows someone else, you know, yeah. like they say. Yeah. So it's been tremendous. I would I would advise anybody to get involved in some yeah. type of committee or something with the NSCA. That's a huge way to build your network in a whole other yep. realm of building it. Yeah. I will tell you this too. When you go back to the business questions, <laughs> it's all about relationships. Yeah. So the more, if you want to go into business, you better have a lot of good relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, I know when I first came to some NSCA conferences, I kind of met people that just kind of said, hey, you should come, you know, do this with us or come hang out at this thing. And it was like, you know, these these types of things that we're seeing now as we're here kind of upon lunchtime where people are just out in the hallway and mingling around and, you know, going out to dinner at night with people that was, you know, as valuable as some of the content that you were absolutely absolutely because you don't know who knows who and if you're looking for a job you may you may have dinner with someone they say i need someone just like you and and all of a sudden you have an internship you have a job you're maybe didn't just you didn't have thought about going for an advanced degree in a certain area and after that conversation you're applying um so again just a lot of positive things could come out of developing relationships yeah, it's huge. And you're speaking at uh, how many how many times speaking at a national conference is this off, off the top of your head? <laughs> this conference? Yeah. Probably eighth or ninth. Yeah. yeah. Eighth, or ninth. eighth cool. eight, nine, ten, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And um and you guys are ta- you're talking about hamstring injuries. What kinda what what kind of stuff are you gonna get into in your session? Uh, I like to, I'm gonna get into um Hamstring injury and ACLs, because uh, one of the graphs some people use is a hamstring graft and how that affects performance after ACL, even after they're discharged from therapy. And, uh, you know, just as far as hamstring injury, you know, mechanisms of injury, what to look for, and then the process of rehab. But then once you're done with rehab, probably some thoughts on how to continue to train so that you avoid a re-injury. Cool. And so coming from your... um you know, experience right now too with your background and what you do now, what sort of recommendations would you have for people who, if they're getting an athlete like that sent to them, what, how should they be communicating? Or is there any like things that you think that coaches could do a better job of between with communicating with the sports meds folks? Yeah, but I think that's a two-way street now, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think um, I travel around the country and I think um, there's more too often than, there's, I mean, one place is too many, right? Sure. I just think there's a, not a great communication between staffs in some sort of situations and I've never understood that because I get it in regards to um, someone's got to be in charge and maybe that's the definitive factor but um, the head strength coach and the strength staff does not want to be the head athletic trainer or the athletic training staff and I'm sure it's vice versa and the team physician doesn't want to be the head strength coach or the head trainer so what's the problem if we're really there for the benefit of the athlete let's work together for the benefit of the athlete um, I've gone through physical therapy school and I know it's changed since I've gone through it and same thing with an ATC curriculum you don't get the materials and the experiences you do as a strength coach, just like the strength coach doesn't get them rehab. You know, you go to, you go to a course for a week and it doesn't make you an expert, right? right? And so there's so much, like for hamstrings, I, I would, a strength and conditioning coach could provide a physical therapist or an athletic trainer with a great variation of running progressions yeah. that I'm sure they're not familiar with, right? right? Prior to full all out sprinting. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if, if the, on the medical end, if you got to modify them, you're smart enough, you'll modify them. But why not take that information? Because yeah. I'm, I, I'm 
fairly confident in the medical profession, they're not get running progressions. Right. They're not getting, you know, Olympic lifting and progressions to teach an Olympic lift and why it's important in rehab to develop rate of force production and power output. So, you know, work together, learn these progressions and take these modifications because if you do them in rehab, then it's that much, the patient's going to be so much, or the athlete's going to be so much further along by the time the strength coaches get them, right? So it's just, it's a shame where it doesn't work. And where it does work, I think they have a distinct advantage over the competition. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. And like you said, it goes right back to kind of the the key tenant, which was relationship building. It's just relationship (laughs) building, yeah. Yeah. what kind of information, uh, you know, now at this point, you're so kind of far advanced in your career. Where and how are you, you know, getting information and utilizing it from these days? Um, mostly one-on-one and re- reading. I like to read a lot. Um, medical journals, physical therapy journals, rehab, strength and conditioning. But I like to go to this. I'm at a point in my career, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be make a cocky statement. I just think I'm at a point in my career where I know what I want, and so I try to find the individual who's the expert yeah. in that topic or that field and go directly to them versus um, going to a, a, a particular course where one person may speak on that topic. Yeah. You know, I, I like coming to NSCA. I like going to th- physical therapy conferences. Yeah. I do like those things. But if I really want to know something, I don't think there's anything like visiting the person and spending a day one-on-one, you know, yeah. if you want to talk about density, so to speak, right? right? Yeah, for sure. No, so Totally. And it's funny, it kind of goes right back to, you know, the stuff that you were doing back in the no. 80s with how you got around and met people. Yeah. There was no Even internet, with right? with all this stuff that we have available to us, yeah. Uh, what's what's next up on the, this year? You got any other speaking gigs coming um, up? Next week, I'm speaking in Chicago for USA Weightlifting. Um, in the fall, a couple sports medicine conferences, uh, and then a physical therapy conference at the end of the year. That's what it. are you talking to USA Weightlifting about? Um, it's for their coach symposium. For the coach symposium, doing, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, the, the joints most easily, uh, most frequently uh, injured are the back, the knee, and the shoulder. Okay. So I'm just going to go over some things for back, knee, and shoulder. Um, again, progressions of when they're done with rehab because yeah. they're strength coaches. They're not going to really get involved, or they're, they're Olympic weightlifting coaches. They're not going to get involved too much of the rehab, but things to look out for and maybe a, a safer progression so there's not a, uh, a reoccurrence of the injury. Yeah. But um, those types of things. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this has been great. Um, if, if people are more interested in, you know, some of the stuff we've been talking about and want to get in touch with you, how can people reach out to you? They can uh, email me at uh, rpanarello, P is in Peter, A-N-A-R-I-E-L-L-O, at professionalpt, as in physicaltherapy.com. Outstanding. We'll put all that in the show notes. Uh, we'll be sure to include your bio and give uh, your email out so appreciate you being on the show Scott, really we'll, pleasure thanks for having uh, me looking really enjoyed forward it to hearing your session later today too all right, all right. Thank, thank, thank you. you thank you for listening to the nsca coaching podcast we truly appreciate your support and we wouldn't be able to do this without you so keep on listening if you enjoyed our episodes please go write us a review at itunes or google play wherever you download your episodes from also be sure to subscribe so you get these delivered to you every other week right on time you don't want to miss the next one Uh, also you can go to nsca.com and check out the episodes there if you prefer that and as well check out our new website and everything that's going on This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. 
The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.